Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. For more episodes, go to www.footballpurist.com and you can also find us at iTunes. The Tuck On podcast is back this week after a much-needed win. The match against Burnley may have some of us thinking that we've gotten over the hump and that we know what we need to do to beat the lower sides, but I think that all four of us on the podcast tonight can admit that this performance this past weekend was pretty unconvincing. It's really ugly, and we did just enough to win. Uh, With teams such as Bournemouth, West Brom, Palace, Watford, and Middlesbrough left to play before the end of the season, uh, oddly enough, I think a lot of us would actually rather have a tougher schedule than we have coming up in the next last run of games. But for now, I've got to say we've got to stay in the moment. A win is a win, and it's one step closer locking up a Champions League spot come the end of the season. So on this episode of the Talk On podcast, we're going to review the Burnley game, give our seat index ratings, and look forward to the City game next weekend. I'm your host, Joey Vishny, here on a snowy night in Chicago, and I'm joined by the boys from the coasts. we got Brian Painter in New York, Jeff Hallett in Orange County, and Ali G in San Francisco, or I know all the cool What's kids up? like Ali will say Frisco nowadays, don't they? Just everyone Frisco? <laughs> no, no, don't say good, that. Good, good, good. All right, I'm glad you don't. <laughs> Please. Thank you, good. I was trying to beat you there. Talk on. There, but talk on, talk on. <laughs> uh, how are we doing tonight, guys? Outstanding. Getting ready for the snowstorm that's about to hit the East Coast. Nice. It's a balmy 19 degrees. Uh, we went to the store and got a couple DiGiorno's, some popcorn. Uh, you know, <laughs> typical <laughs> stuff that you can make. Nice. <laughs> hey, listen, if there's not going to be any stores open and nobody's going to come to town, you got to go to Giorno, baby. Yeah, hey, if I'm going to move out to New York, I'd get used to doing that. <laughs> That's oh, true. That's true. No, that'd be something, something funny to see. <laughs> Jeffrey, how are you? I'm good. For all these reports of snow and it's cold and sad, right? I'm sitting here sweating. So yeah, that's me. That's, that's great. <laughs> In oil. Why, why are you sweating, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, Chicago oh, Chicago has no snow in all of January and February. And then obviously typical Chicago winters like, ah, uh, we're not done yet. We're just going to gonna fuck you one more time. We're going to give you some snow before, before the end of March. So, Painter, I'm with you, man. We got it pouring down. Anyways, guys, opening question. Uh, March Madness is upon us, which is Ali's favorite time of the year, NCAA tournament. <laughs> NCAA. <laughs> and like, what does that stand for again? Right. It's, uh, and obviously my Wildcats are going to win. Go Arizona. Bear down. But um, there's been a lot of Cinderella stories, obviously, throughout the years, which made me think, what is your favorite Cinderella story that you've ever heard of or seen? And it, you can also do kind of like a dark horse, you know, um, like I guess – Greece was a huge dark horse to win uh, the cup back. What was it? Was that 90? 2004. It was, okay, it was 2004. I thought that was. Okay. Yeah, 2004. All right. Well, my, my coworker will not let it down. He talks about it every day. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, dark horse or uh, Cinderella story. Uh, Ali, we'll go with you first. <laughs> I only watch one sport. So Leicester 6,001 last season. 5,000? So crazy. <laughs> Still crazy. Um, that was, yeah, um, it was obviously ridiculous. 5,000, 6,000, whatever. whatever. <laughs> I think uh, the Kim Kardashians were at better odds to become president. Don't don't mention that. I don't want to go up and up if you listen to Jack. So. Oh, Jesus. Idiocracy coming, on, coming over here for us. Already happening. Anyways, Jeff, what do you got, man? 
Well, you mentioned Dark Horse, so I'm going to go with the darkest of the dark. I'm going with the first transgender man to declare himself Cinderella. And the headline reads, Transgender Cinderella, a man, the stroke of midnight, and genitalia. How do you like that? <laughs> What's wrong with you, man? That's an interesting, uh, interesting call there. Interesting call. Took it very literally, but that's okay. <laughs> that's me. Oh, there it is. You're welcome. <laughs> I thought you were going to go. At least it's better than Notre Dame, I guess. So that's that's all right. I figure you'd get enough of that from Painter. What do you got, Painter? Well, since you wanted to poke and prod at me on Notre Dame, (laughs) no, I'm not going to go there. Um, Even though there's a lot of great stories of Notre Dame, I'm going to go with the 1980 U.S. Olympic Uh, hockey. There you go. That's a good one. Al Michaels, do you believe in miracles? Uh, When we beat the Russians. Uh, with a bunch of kids, uh, college kids, uh, we beat a professional Russian team that we were, I don't even know what the odds were back then, but uh, it was unbelievable. Uh, I was six watching that game and, uh, with my dad. It was awesome. So I got to go with the 80 Olympic hockey team, uh, for the U.S. Good call. Good sports related one. I guess if I had to do sports related, I'm a huge homer. So I would say Cubs World Series this past year, they were down 3-1. And came back to win it all. So that's just definitely the homer in me. Uh, some non-sports related ones. I'd say a pretty big dark horse, OJ Simpson. Uh, he won that a while ago. I'd say, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. You know, that's, that's a great Cinderella story. Donald Trump, I would say, was a dark horse starting the whole thing. Um, he's orange technically. He's definitely dark. And Hathaway. Um, his fake kid. And Hathaway somehow people just keep liking her for some reason whatever it is Anne Hathaway just keeps getting love and I don't get it but anyways we won against a lesser team and that that win got me more excited than it should have I think um more excited than than previous wins against bigger sides even even against Arsenal I mean like I said in the intro it's like it was it was a really ugly win I mean not really enjoyable to watch at all but I guess just give your overall thoughts on the game how we played um, and have we maybe figured out something in, in order to beat these, these lesser teams, or was that just kind of a sort of one-off lucky game, Painter? I don't think we figured out anything. Uh, I, I think it was <laughs> – I really don't. I mean, we were lucky. For the first 45 minutes, we could have played arguably the worst half of football that we've seen in the last – I don't know, 10 years. I mean, it was horrible. We had nothing going forward. They were all over us. They should have probably been two or three up on us by the time, you know, we came around to, uh, when Autumn's goal, but my God, we didn't learn anything. I, 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 I'm sorry. They, the entire side was just abject the entire first half. I, upset with watching them play in the first half. I, I didn't even know what to do with myself. Um, so I don't think we learned anything. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I don't think we learned anything. I think the team got lucky. Proof of that is Jeannie's goal. You know, he tried to back heel it. Ball drops. The goalie keeps going the wrong direction. And then Jeannie's calm enough to tuck it away and get a, give us a, a 1-1 score at halftime, which we were flattered to get. I just think that overall we were lucky to get away with a 2-1 win. Now, granted, we'll take a 2-1 win and three points and everything that goes along with it, and hopefully this kicks them on. But my goodness, we were just not good at all. Yeah, it was day. it was really poor. And, and you know, you you had just mentioned Genie's goal highlight. I mean, 
that was just, albeit a little lucky how it fell to him. I mean, that was just such a crucial goal to get before the half because we truly didn't deserve a goal before the half and really changed the way I think we were able to come out second half because just like Painter said, I mean, that was just an awful, awful first half. Right. And it's one of few positives that you can take away from a game like this. It was an ugly win. Klopp coined it perfectly. First half was much to look away from. Typical that we concede in the first seven minutes, and that was defensive breakdown, Klein leaving his man, Klavan not in the right space at the right time. But guess what? It's the first step of 11 that we've taken, and you had to give some credit for leadership, taking ownership after the first goal, not just sinking into the tank. Yes, they're at home. They need to be focused. They needed to prove it on the pitch. They did, and at least we can take the positive of, okay, we can take the second step. Yeah, and that's that's what you want, right? You just like you guys both said, it was a three points it was crucial. But Ali, I mean, just in terms of these teams that were playing, um, you know, Klopp said they were really consistent in terms of how they set up to play. And Liverpool were losing a lot of those second balls. Like we would win some of the initial knockdowns, but they they were playing, you know, a perfect setup against that. So why why does this consistently work against us, and and why can't we seem to overcome it? Well, when you play, when Burnley is super organized in the back like that, it's really easy to play Liverpool because we don't have crazy attacking wingbacks or fast ones at that point. So it's easy to counter that and then just go against our slower wingbacks, like uh, not wingbacks, uh, left defender, right defender. Like, like yeah, Milner. they clearly attacked Milner that that whole game. So I'm- exactly. I mean, I'm happy with the win, but. You got to think about this. We're at home. We shouldn't be playing like that ever against a team that's, you know, bottom side of the table. We haven't learned anything yet. We still have a lot to learn to play against these smaller sides. No, I mean, all credit to Burnley. They they came at us. They played a lot better than us. They probably deserved more, but we were lucky to win that. I'm happy with it, but I don't think we've learned anything like Brian said. Yeah, and, and someone who's who's had to take on a, a a bit of a new role since Henderson's been injured in this this setup that we have going on is, is Emery Jean. He had a little bit of a rough of of, of a first half, uh, and then obviously came back with that perfectly placed goal from outside the box. I think it was, and that was the first time we've scored from outside the box in a long time. And I think he had the the last goal that the last time we scored outside the box as well. Um, I mean, he was sitting back really deep, almost like directly in front of the two center backs, which is a lot of the time what you want out of that position. But, you know, it's him and Henderson, although they're playing in the same position, are two very different players. Uh, I know a lot of the the fan base is is split on kind of it. It seems like it's almost a one versus the other type of of thing right now. Uh, I think they both bring different things to the team. But in terms of, of what Emre did, Painter, what did you see from Emre Jean this game, uh, maybe the positives going forward and, and some of the things that he can improve on. Wow, where do you start with the things he can improve on? He comes and plays so well against like an Arsenal uh, and some of the bigger sides that he's been matched up against. I think he takes it like personally and it's a bigger challenge. But when he comes up against these lesser sides and he's clearly got more quality than them, I mean, obviously his goal was was a well-taken strike and... <laughs> I'm sure everybody on the on the pod tonight was like, no, 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 yes, <laughs> when he hit the shot because I I know I was sitting there saying, don't shoot it, don't shoot it, don't shoot it, and then he then he hauls off and uh, tucks it in the lower uh, the lower corner. But you know, 
I just don't think he imposes his will on these on these teams. I, I don't know if he doesn't get up for it or if he has a problem figuring it out or sorting it out, but he just does not play quick. He does not play decisive. Um, I don't know if it's not a challenge for him, but all in all, I know he got the winner, but for large parts of that game, he was really poor. And so when you're saying I don't he's know, not decisive enough, you know, are you talking about, you know, you think Henderson in that position gets the ball and recycles it a little bit better? Is that kind of where you're going in terms of, <clears throat> of that position? What you'd like to see a little bit more of? I just, I, I think, I think when people give him space and time to think about it, I think he comes up and doesn't, and, and is indecisive. I think when the top, when he's playing against the top sides and they're on him and they're pressing him, he plays more instinctual and makes decisions quicker, which suits him uh, and suits us down to the ground. I think when he gets a lot of time on the ball and he can pick his head up and look around and he has options and choices to make, I don't think he plays nearly as fast. And I think that's a big problem for him. And granted, he's young and he's he's going to learn how to do this. And Henderson's got three years on him. And Henderson, arguably, when he showed up at Liverpool, wasn't, you know, wasn't nearly the quality of player he is today. Um, we had questions about his $20 million transfer, so on and so forth. But I think when John gets uh, time on the ball, he becomes very indecisive and doesn't move and play instinctual. And he's got that in his locker when he plays against the top sides who don't give him that time. And he just goes hell to leather and plays exceptionally as opposed to how he plays against the bottom sides. Yeah. And like you had just mentioned, you know, he's still Henderson has three years on him. So, so Emre John is still 23 years old and, and can improve uh big time. I know a lot of people complain and seem how they, they, they seem to say that whenever he gets the ball, he kind of slows the game down. Do you happen to feel the same way? Yeah, but look at the run of form this year, right? It's been start and stop most of the season. He's gotten a couple starts here with Hendo out. This is just a run of form issue more than it is, I think, his style of play. I, he just hasn't had enough time in the first team. So I, I don't know how you can judge him with like full season performance when he's only played partial it's been the injury it's been first half hendo performed pretty well now now we've got to see a streak in you know a couple games in a row of him performing one positive you didn't mention this like he had some nice balls into klein in the first half some positive moments Uh, he had some space he had time to think and he delivered the ball there's some beautiful crosses so there were some good things but I think the starts and stops, it's endemic of hasn't had enough time. Jeff, when he came back, though, last season, uh, he was off for a month, and he came back in the Villarreal game, and he was absolutely lights out. Probably his best game by a wide margin in a Liverpool uniform. I just think he, he played gets United up. before that, too, and he was amazing. I mean, but he he had a month off, and I just think he gets up for the big games. United-Villarreal in the semifinals are... Two massive games, and I think he just gets up for those big games. And I, I don't know what it is about him, uh, kind of like Genie scoring at home and not scoring away. Um, I just think there's something about it where, like, when he plays against, like, he'll probably be lights out against Man City at the weekend. Absolutely lights out. I will, I will bet whatever you want to bet that he will have an amazing game against City. But I just think he has a real hard time figuring out these uh, the, the sides that don't give him, don't wind him up, and don't get it, give him like 
the energy and passion to, to go uh, be the best on the field. So, Ali, it seems like a lot of uh, – if you had to pinpoint some issues that, that the other guys are having with him, it's a little bit of his, of his consistency um, that he needs it more game to game. I would think that you know his, his versatility has is, is kind of been – uh, is, is actually kind of hurt him uh, just because you know he's been playing in multiple positions. Uh, he's been asked to at least for his entire time at Liverpool, and then you know the contract issue now comes up. Where should we be giving him the money that he's asking for right now? Uh, so where do you stand on, on Emre? Where you think he should play in the team? And you know, would you be willing to give him the contract offer that he wants right now? Yeah, so let's go back to the game first, and then I'll answer all the questions. Um, so, Emir, first half, he was horrible. But so were every every other player around him. Lalana wasn't – I didn't even know he was playing. Like, I knew he was on the team sheet, but he didn't do shit. Genie was not playing well. Like, everyone around him in that role wasn't playing well, so he was obviously going to miss like misplace a lot of passes, and that's what everyone just stuck, stuck their minds into and just – you know, all the bashers came out and just said, you know, Emery's the reason why why we're not playing well. So, I mean, that was a huge factor, to, I think, to me, where he was not able to show his game. Um, Painter says that against the lesser teams, he doesn't really show up. I think the whole team doesn't show up, and people just kind of key on him not playing well. People need to skate um, a lot of the time. Yeah. Number two, uh, the wages and and the contract talk. So if you look at the wages right now, I think Ings is on 60K, Milner's at 120K, Hendo 100K, Klein's around 70K, Sturridge 120, Lalana 120. Those are the English players. If you look at Mignolet 60K, Lovren 65, Genie 75, Lucas 80K, Emir Chan is making 35K right now. And it's probably more of his agent talking. Like he, he has Dahoud, and I think those are, I think Dahoud and, uh, Sahin are his only two big players they have. I think they dropped Ozil. His name is Reza Fazali, so he's another Persian brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> so his agent, his agent is obviously trying to get the best deal for himself. I mean, his clients aren't the biggest names, so he needs to make money for himself. So obviously he's going to try to get the best deal ever. I don't get why people are freaking out about that. They just want to double his um, his wages at 70K. I think that's totally fair when you look at how Ings is at 60K. He hasn't really played. So, Milner at 120K, Hendo at 100K, Klein at 70K. I don't think it makes sense to not give it to him. Well, I think that's fair, absolutely. What, what would you have to say? Because he came out today and said, the contract delay is not about money. I'm very happy at Liverpool. I can play many years here. Obviously, you know, a player is going to be professional and, and say that, but... If he's coming out and saying it's not about money, do you think he maybe wants to know his role in the team a little bit more? You know, before he signs a new contract, maybe he wants to know what Klopp's summer plans are before he dedicates his, his himself there longer. Does you think that might be part of what he's thinking? And you know, am I going to yeah, be part like, of his team in, in years to come? That's exactly what I'm thinking. He, that he's thinking because so we've had to actually ask him to play for us while being injured. So there's a quote Klopp came out with where he said, "We you know we've tried to work with this while he's playing the injury. Uh, it would be nice if we hadn't found out the exact reason for the solution. Everyone can see the difference when he's able to play without the issues. So obviously Klopp knows that he has problems and he's been asked to play because Hendo's been injured and we don't have anyone else to bring him bring into to that role. That's sufficient enough. So we know he has that strain. And, you know, I, I talked to Jack, who's also in the med field. He's like, if it's a strain or pain, it inhibits him massively because it's a constant and it's always on his mind. And, you know, not only you have to battle through it, it's something that's always on your mind and, you know, hinders your performance throughout. So I think 
he probably knows that he hasn't been playing well um, or as well as he was last season. Like we saw in the Europa League where he was bossing all the teams like Villarreal, uh, United, and Dortmund. So I think he's waiting to see if he's going to get replaced because he's 23 years old, like you mentioned, and he needs he needs to be starting at this point in his career. So he's probably waiting to make that decision. So so then before I get to the other guys real quick on this topic, where would you have him starting in that deep lying position even when Hendo comes back? Do you do you see him as a part of the starting three? This is just you know until the end of the season, uh, and then or do you would maybe if you knock somebody else out, would you have him in the Box to box role. Where do you do you see him even fitting into the the starting eleven right now? I think if he's not injured and he's fully fit, if if Hendo comes back and he can get at least like three weeks off to just recover, then I'll put I would put Chan back in for Hendo's role. But as it stands, as he's playing on his injury, I think Hendo is a better option. All right, interesting. What about uh, what about you guys, Painter? What do you think? Uh, Hendo comes back in for me, full stop. Uh, I, I I like Emery. I think he has a bright future. And I think to Ali's point, when he's healthy and if he plays like he did at the end of last season, he could be arguably one of the best players in the side, but he just has been so inconsistent this season. And, and I, I want I want him to be successful because I want Liverpool to be successful. But I think right now he's just up and down, and you know I I, I just I I put Hendo back in in a, in, a, in a New York minute, and arguably Hendo's had his injury issues. Um, I don't know what we'll do in the summer. I don't think we'll sell him. Uh, I think seventy grand or eighty grand for Emery Jean is a no-brainer all day. Uh, I think it's just a little bit of cat and mouse between agent negotiation, so on and so forth. Uh, he's a twenty-five million pound player, no question about it. Uh, if he were to get sold on at this stage, which would be obviously a big profit from where we bought him, <clears throat> so I think. I think we hold on to him. I think he has the potential to grow into uh, into that leadership role. Uh, he definitely has more upside than Henderson. And like you said, uh, or like we said earlier, he's three years younger than Jordan. And Jordan's obviously had a bit of an injury issue over the last season and a half. And if he can't right himself and come back fully fit for the prime of his career, there's a real tough decision Klopp's got to make between selling Henderson, selling John, um, and who to bring in in order to backfill that type of role. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens in the summer. I don't think we could sell him for $25 because he has like 17, 18 months left on his contract. You're saying he's a $25 million player? I, 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 I think you can. With 18 months left on the contract and at his age of 23 and the fact that he's been, you know, arguably in and out of the first team uh, for Liverpool. I mean, Jeannie Wijnaldum went for 25 million. So I don't, I don't think you can't, I don't think it's unreasonable with the, with the money that's in the market today. I don't think it's unreasonable to think you can get 25 million out of a Milan or a Juventus or, or somebody along that, uh, along those lines for Emerson. Cause they would have to buy out the, the contract and then, Put on an addition on top of that, so I, I just don't think. It'd but be you're, you, 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 but you, well, Ali, we can sit here and debate the money to a balloon yeah, face. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just. He's, he's at he's at 35 million pounds right now on wages. 
So he's getting you're getting a discount on wages because you're not going to have to pay him. Like if he was on eighty thousand pounds and you know eighteen months left on his contract, you're not going to take a twenty five million dollar punt and then put you know an extra twenty grand you know a week on his wages. So you see what I'm saying? Like he's got a very low wage bill right now, so you can bump him on double wages and get him done and dusted and still have him fit into your your cost model for most of those teams. Yeah, I mean, Hal, it's it's, it's interesting to see who is going to fit into this role. Do you see either Hendo or Chon being those types of guys that can fit into that deep-lying role? Uh, and would you have Hendo come back in when he's fully fit, or would you keep Emre in there? It depends on the condition of Hendo. You know, he's shown, just as Painter pointed out, he's been injury-prone the last few seasons. I mean, he's getting older in age. You don't know if he's going to be durable for an entire campaign at this point. If he's got the quality to come back and can be sure-handed at the back like he was in the first half, I'd say yes. But I think the odds are, at this point, no. Uh, and I would be very interested, be interesting to watch Jean at the weekend, how he performs at City. If he can improve week to week and show an amazing closeout through the end of the season, ties perfectly with him trying to earn a higher wage contract. I would like to see him in that role, but it's all dependent on how Hendo comes back. If he's ready to go, if he can deliver like he did in the first half, you might see him. I don't know if it makes sense to alternate the two through the end of the season. You probably want to pick one. So it's all on if Hendo can bring the goods, like the first half or not, because obviously the month of January, February, our, our winless streak, the lack of leadership on the pitch, it rests on him. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And my opinion kind of comes from sort of a selfish point of view as a fan. I, I need to see if, if Emery can play this role. We all think he can, but I, I need to see him get a run of games in this deep-lying role and... I unfortunately think that that Hendo is just not able to get over these foot injuries. He's just, for whatever reason it is, he's not able to stay fully healthy the, the entire year. And, and it's not just that. It's also that, yeah, he, he's a good center def- central defensive midfielder, but I don't think he's an amazing one. So even if we go into next season, I see someone... I see us replacing Hendo, at least in that position. I think Hendo's a better box-to-box than he is a, a central defensive midfielder. So I'd rather see Hendo be, be a, a part of a rotation in, in maybe one of those two other roles versus the central defensive midfielder uh, position um, because I think we're going to buy someone regardless. And, and that person, a lot of it's going to depend on whether we get Champions League, you know, d- you know, the quality of player we can bring in. But also, I mean... I want to see Emery get a run of games to see if he can be that guy going forward because there is a chance that he could be that guy going forward for us in that position. And we need to give him a fair shot, at least till the end of the season in this setup to see if he can do it. Um, and, hey. and if we find out that he can't, then he can't and, and we'll be buying someone. But um, if he can, then that's, that's just a huge positive for us. So hey, Joey, Joey, what, 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 Ali brought up an interesting stat about, the goals that we've conceded with Hendo in that role versus not. And Ali, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, but I thought it was a really interesting take on Hendo in that deep lying defensive midfield role versus, versus when he's not, you know, we can see that that we conceded (laughs) what you, the ones that we concede less when Chon's in versus Hendo. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we, we have like a, a massively better record against conceding goals when he's in that role versus he, not. He's just definitely a more defensive player. Again, this is, I just I think 
Hendo has done an admirable, admirable job when he's been put in that position, right? That's not his natural position, but he just is a really good all-round player, and he's got a lot of different skills and, and intangibles that he brings to that position. But something that that hasn't be had, has not been said enough for Emre is that you know our team needs more nastiness, and I think that he provides that. Uh, we we don't have enough, I guess, like kind of guts and you know someone who's willing to take a yellow card for the betterment of the team or, you know, the play, what, you know, the run of play. So I think that, that he brings some, like some nastiness and, and some fight to the team that, that not a lot of other players that we have bring. So that's part of the reason why I want to see him in the team. And then also, I mean, he's perfected the knee slide. So pretty much, you know, anytime he scores, just no better knee slide, maybe Phil, little Phil, but, uh, I think Emre needs to to stay in the team more of a like a selfish point of view, and and also I think Klopp needs to see if he can play that role too. So it's it's an interesting topic. I mean, I'm sure we'll have some conflicting thoughts about it as as the weeks progress and and things could change, or he you know you never know he could cement himself from now into the season in the end of that and in, in, in that role. So we'll have to see. But let's go ahead and move on from Emre right now. Someone who. I thought had maybe one of the better games that I've ever seen him play uh, it was Mignolet. And, and it's not, and it had nothing to do with, with his shot stopping, which is pretty much the only thing he's known for. I've, I've never seen Mignolet seem as confident as he was this past game ever. I think uh, a couple of punches, like I, I don't remember any other times that we've seen Mignolet come out strong enough and get kind of injured on a play, you know, showing that he is commanding. Uh, he did that a couple times th- this game. So, Ali, what thoughts on Minule's game? Uh, he didn't have terribly too much to do, but I thought when he was called on, he did a pretty good job. Yeah, that first goal, I mean, you can't really fault him on that. I think Klein didn't track back, and Klavon was out of position. But I've never seen him come out the way he's been coming out with his hook. I mean, he had, like, it looked like he was learning how to hook, like, save and punch the ball last season. But now he's like really good at it. He comes out. We haven't had a keeper like that in a while that comes out and I just feel comfortable with. And I'm kind of getting to that point with him. No, never thought I would. You are really. <laughs> yeah. He's still, he's still, he's, this was I'm like the first time that I've ever seen him do that though. Like, it, but it's, it's like, like been like building up to this moment. And, and I don't know. I just, I kind of feel comfortable with him now. He still it's, can't kick for shit. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, interesting. Listen, it, the, 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 he flaps at it still. <laughs> the, the, God, the mini late talk is, it's interesting because we haven't seen him really improve the three years he's been here, right? Like he, we, it's almost like we know what he is and we keep saying that, but this, I mean, this is the first time that I've seen him do this. I hope it's not just a one-off game. I hope that they're actually trying to get this, you know, cemented on the training pitch, but Hallett, I mean, is there anything that you've been seeing different in uh Minulay in general? I mean, it, it definitely, maybe it's that Clawbon was back there. Maybe he feels a little bit more, confident in Clavon and his back four than maybe with like a low run or something like that. Who knows? But have you seen anything different? We've seen good moments and bad moments with Mignolet. That's what the two year plus sample gives us. So, you know, I want to see him succeed in that this season at this point, he's the one keeper that we have to depend on. And I've seen exactly the same thing you noticed in this match as we've noticed last couple weeks he is building confidence whether or not anyone listens to him when it's like big bird talking, when he yells at everyone back four and everyone seems to ignore him, like whether he's, you know, commanding more of a presence in the back, 
Don't know, but uh, for sure, we haven't seen a ball kicked out of bounds, I think, in a couple weeks. That's a positive. And he is kicking two people. So it's terrible at kicking, but at least it's serviceable. It's not an eyesore. And he, you're right, he's been confident. He's come off his line a few times when he's needed to. The last, you know, the goal conceded here certainly wasn't his fault. So if not for Clavin and Klein, it would have been a clean sheet. So you admire his performance, but at the end of the season, the result's going to be the same. He's going to get sold on. There, there's going to be either Karius or another keeper coming in. It's just, I don't think there's much mistake. And that's the question right there. Painter, is, is it, is this just hopefully maybe raising his price a little bit because we, we did sign him to a new, new deal. So he's got the years on his contract. If someone wants to come in and, and take him, is, is that your understanding? Is that what you would like to see? And then, you know, hopefully, we buy another keeper and see what, you know, Carius and, and, and the other keeper compete. The, the only frustrating thing is that we thought we were going to get to see what Carius could be. And we really haven't got to see that his entire fir- first full season. And, and knowing Klopp, he, I don't think his mindset is even if we get Champions League to bring in like a really, really solidified, experienced keeper. Um, un- unless they're going to become a backup. Do you know what I mean? Because he believes so much in Carius. So is this, could this hamper us? You know, you know, if Carius doesn't come good next year, or do you think that we're going to have both keepers still fighting for a place? Uh, first and foremost, I don't think Mignolet and Carius are that bad when you look at it from the grand scheme of things as it relates to other keepers in the league. The second thing is, is I don't think Klopp is going to go waste 20 to 30 million pounds on a keeper in the summer i just don't we have too many other areas to to look for um or look at uh, meaning center back (laughs) which we've talked about multiple times on this pod i think we need another winger i think we need you know we we talked about the central defensive midfield i don't think he's going to go drop what it would take to go get one of those quote-unquote world-class keepers in the mold of you know de uh, Quatois in those, fo- those level of goalies. I, I think he's, I think he, I think he's fine with what he's got. Carius is a young kid. Um, Mignolet's 29, but Carius, you know, I think he's what, 22, 23. Yeah. Um, I think he's, I, you know, I think he can develop and I don't think Klopp is going to really put a high, value on going out and getting another big signing especially a goalie i think the he's got other things to uh other things to sort out and i think our goalies are good enough provided that we have the right pieces around them and you know arguably that's a center back that can shore up the defense that's a left uh a left back that can actually is actually a left back for christ's sake i mean obviously milner and uh I know Joe, you're gonna give me shtick about this, but obviously Milner's not a left back and uh that's become uh apparent the second half of the season. So I don't think he's gonna prioritize having a, a you know, a goalie in the transfer window in the summer. I think he's happy with what his options are. I don't think he puts a lot of stock in it. So I think we're gonna be see more of the same next season. I don't think we sell Minule. I don't think we sell Carius. I think we look at next season as those are our two guys and let the best man win out the job uh, in the summer. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I can definitely see that. And, and, you know, 
I think a couple of months ago, we were all thinking, well, there's no way Mignolet is going to want to stay if he's not playing. But it's actually turned out quite the opposite where he is getting all the games for us right now. And so I could definitely see him and, you know, obviously both of them staying next year and fighting it out for a place. Um, before we go ahead and move on to our seat index ratings, I did want to bring up one other name. Um, Ragnar Klavan, he's come in and, and, and he's done a, a decent job. Uh, he, he has had some, some glaring mistakes. Um, but he's, he's also, I think made the defense a little bit more calm, a little bit more steady. Maybe Ali, uh, any thoughts on Ragnar? And, uh, we expect, I, I would think, uh, for Lovren to be fit for the city game. Do you bring him back in or do you leave Ragnar in? Oh, okay. So we brought Klavan in as our fourth choice. Is that right? So him and Lucas as the third and fourth, but, in my opinion, I still think Clavon is a better choice than Lovren, who is supposed to be our first choice. So he has less errors leading to goals, less errors leading to chances created against us. He's a better pass completion. I think the only thing that Lovren has against Clavon is probably his athleticism and aerial duels. He's a little probably, better. Yeah. yeah, he's a little better in the air. He's actually a little better in the air than Matip as well, but Matip is still really strong in the air. So I think the Clavon Matip duo is going to work better for us. I just wish we had a faster left back because that would help Clavin a lot because sure. he just can't deal with faster players. But I still think uh, Clavin's our, our answer for, for right now until next season. What about you, Hallett? He's, he's sneaky good on the ball, actually. He can, he can pick out a nice pass. Yeah, and he had his hot and cold moments, which led to him getting dropped for Lucas Leva, which we all remember all too well. So, yeah, I'm kind of with Ali in the short term. It, it seems to be the right pairing, he plus Matip, and if he can get a little bit more protection, if he can get at least some more progress week to week than we've been seeing, amen. I, I, I would stick with Clavon. I would stick with Matip as a pair. Painter, do you think that, that Clavon's experience is really what's helping us? Because don't get me wrong. I mean, we all know Lovren's like physically more of a gifted, you know, defender, more of a gifted player. But there's something I just I'm seeing with with this defense, which is just a little, like I said, a little bit more calm. Uh, I think you know everybody knows where they're going to be. I don't, you know, I don't think he's as um, aggressive as Lovren, who will just leave his spot to go try and get a header. You know, he he's going to try and be positioned exactly where he's supposed to be. So in terms of you know his his overall presence and, and impact on, on the back five as a whole, although he may not be more uh, physically gifted, I think what he brings right now, at least to the team, is a little bit more st- stability. Would you would you have that, or would you want Lovren to come back in and try and reclaim his spot next to Mati? It's tough to say, because when Lovren and Mati played together, they were, they were pretty good uh, from earlier in the season. I think Ragnar is a consummate professional. He's in his early 30s. He's been a center back his entire career. Uh, he's a, cap- a team captain of Estonia. I mean, he's got a level of professionalism and understanding of the game that, you know, quite frankly, has served him well in the times he's played. I think the challenge is, is just the overall level of athleticism on that left-hand side wow. between him and Milner. So bad. Yeah. It's like, so I just, bad. I, I mean, when Burnley lines up and you can look at all the heat maps and all the other nonsense that, uh, from the game, I mean, literally Burnley went down their right hand side, our left hand side, the entire game. And they obviously targeted those two 
as the weak links in the defense. They didn't go Matip and Klein. They literally went down that entire left-hand side of ours the entire game. And I, I, I think for as many gaffes as Lovren has, his athleticism, he's a big body, he's a physical lad. You know, he's 6'2", 6'3". He throws himself about. I think we could do with a lot more athleticism and pace on that side. I don't think Lovren's the answer, but I definitely think he's an upgrade over Clavon. And if he's healthy, you kind of fancy him to come back in against a much more athletic, pacey city side at the weekend with Raheem and uh, Sané and obviously Aguero. Because uh, you know what you're going to get from Milner, and it's not going to be amazing. Uh, it's going to be steady, and you know you could use a little bit more athleticism on that side. But I don't think either one of them is the answer long term. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, definitely, to see how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, Klopp has come out with a lot of quotes saying that you know he believes in Dejan and blah blah blah. Uh, I think me, I'm just frustrated at this point, and then hope he really like just does not come back into the starting side ever again. I'd be okay with that. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I mean, if he sticks around for some reason next year, you know, cup games, but in terms of like our, our peak competitions, he just, I'm, I'm, I've, I've seen enough. That's, that's all. I've just, I've seen enough. And then I think, I think real, I think realistically he's he, for a top, for a top six side. I think he's a great number three. But I I have come around, Joey, and I agree he's not a he's not a starting uh, center half for a top six side. Again, so, it's just so frustrating. Though. I mean, because he, he he is so physically talented. You just again, it's just always like we've always does, said it does, it's between the ears. Doesn't have it, yeah, exactly. It doesn't it's have between so the ears. Frustrating, and it, you know, there's times to be aggressive, but when it's every single time leaving your post to go. I mean, it's just, we, we gotta move on. I think, I mean, I've had enough. I just, I'm, I'm curious to see how the center back position continues on, um, until the end of the season. I know Joe Gomez has been getting some games in with the U23s and he's been excellent. I, I don't think Klopp would bring him in uh, at a time like this when we're really fighting for a top four spot, but I'm just hoping that he can fill in next year, maybe as that, that, uh, third center back, uh, choice. So we'll see. We'll see what, uh, what happens, but let's go ahead and move on to our seat index ratings, guys. I need a, what got you out of your seat? What got you slouching back? I need a positive and a negative seat index. Hallett. Okay, I get to go first. So I get to pick when all them's poised equalizer at the end of the first half, like picking king of the idiots in terms of the performances. We're all such fanboys of the still underrated <laughs> genie. And he's so clearly comfortable at home. He delivers in big games as much as we don't want to admit this was a big one. Unfortunately, it was. So I, I admire the leadership. I admire taking ownership after the first goal conceded. So it's been all of them all day long for the positive. In terms of the negative, Klavan out of position for the first goal. He plus Klein, just a disaster allowing that, and the team allowing that in the first seven minutes of a contest you needed to win at home. So that's so clearly my negative. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely good call. And yeah, Genie, just what a crazy record right now, just scoring what the last 16, I think, last 16 goals. Yeah. Yeah, you're spot on. 16. Crazy, ridiculous. What about you, <laughs> Painter? What do you got for your positive negative seed index? My negative seed index was the entire fucking match. Um, 
Uh, it just was the it was it was so boring, and we were lucky to get out with a win. And it was just it was a really poor display of football all the way around by the Reds. But you know, we did get the three points. My positive seed index had to be our Belgian keeper, Simon Vignolet. He, uh, I don't, I haven't done this very often. I don't think ever. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) some Belgian chocolate coming to your address. Yeah, exactly. A little Toblerone or something like that, whatever. (laughs) Um, but, uh, Simon Vignolet played fantastic. Uh, I thought he was, Strong, commanding. He was off his line. I think the the one he came out and punched that we were talking about earlier, I think he was 15, 16 yards off his line where he came out and punched it uh, clear. I thought he I thought he played exceptionally well. I thought he commanded his box and he did all the things that we had berated him for over the years uh, on not doing. So Simon Mignolet gets my man of the match. Uh, I thought he was fantastic for us. You know, long may that continue. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Simon game, like we haven't seen him maybe play <laughs> in terms of being aggressive like that, maybe ever. So Ali, what about you? Positive, negative, seen index. I'll, I'll keep it quick. They're both about my boy and Chan. The negative is just all the haters. Just remember that he is playing <laughs> injured. Okay. So he's helping our team out by playing injured. Number one, number two, it's probably his agent talking about, the new wages and all that stuff. So just calm down. And number three, just let it be for fuck's sake. It's driving me crazy. Um, so that's my <laughs> negative. All the fans that just you play the Beatles, just use them as a scapegoat. <laughs> it just drives me crazy. And God knows, God knows Ali was going to come with the, the Jean love at some point. You knew <laughs> that was coming. <laughs> and then, yeah, my positive is that beautiful, perfect, knee slide i mean it just doesn't get better than that perfects it dude he's just perfect it's perfect he literally pushes down on his left leg so he slides in sideways and then gives the head nod he's done that like three (laughs) times now it's hilarious he's literally i think he i think he practices it yeah it's hilarious ali who gives a better knee slide gerard or emory john oh that's not even close (laughs) yeah (laughs) stevie g stevie g all right so so my positive c index is we've already said it minulae Never seen him that confident and that aggressive. It was awesome to see because I, I would rather see in certain situations him if it is possible for you to reach it for for him to be aggressive like that versus staying back in goal. I just I just much rather see that out of your keeper. So uh, he is my positive C index. My negative is is Arigi. He came on and I I don't know if I saw him win a single header the whole game. We were playing long balls up to him and I, and I feel like every time I watched him go up, he missed the header he missed going up for the challenge in my opinion while he is very talented i think that he plays much better on the left hand side than he does down the center i think that's where most of his best work does most of his goals a lot of his his crossing his, it just comes in from there yes he's a good all-round player yes he's really raw we don't know what he is yet but i just i don't know i'd almost rather have somebody else in there like i'd rather put Mane in there as as a striker maybe move whoever uh like phil over to the right and then maybe uh origi over to the left whatever it is he just for me he just hasn't been doing it up this up, up the middle lately so i like the guy hopefully he can continue to grow and become a really good player for us but i i just haven't seen it this season with him i know he went on a little stretch with with scoring a, a good amount in a row i think it was four or five in, in four or five games but 
Um, since he's come back after that stretch, he just ha- hasn't been as good as we were hoping. So that would be my negative seat index. Um, but, you know, not a knock because uh, I still think that he can become, I mean, what is he, only 21 years old, maybe 22. So a lot of time to grow as a player. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. Let's get a little city preview in here, guys. Uh, the last game against a, a top side, and that includes Everton in this conversation that we're going to play before the end of the season. You know, we obviously have a great record against the top sides. We, the way we play, the way we get compressed, everything, it, it seems to, to work well against them. I think, uh, with Firmino, he, you know, he's supposed to be fit. So I would imagine that the success we've had against them, we would still line that up with, uh, Mane, Firmino and Coutinho up top. Uh, is there anyone that you would bring into the team besides Firmino? Because we can assume that he's going to be fit. Uh, Hallett, anyone else you would you would rather bring into this team than than what we put out last game besides Firmino? Honestly, no. Uh, Firmino would be the only update from my end. We got a thin side, right? I mean, the depth on the squad just isn't there. And I'd love to bring in a proper left back, but we don't have one. And, and Mignolet is as good as he's going to be for the season. And I already mentioned that I want to keep Clavon and Mati paired up. So yeah, Firmino would be my my only shift week to week. I think the back line, Painter wants Lovren in. I think Lovren, while he is a plus in the athleticism, he's a negative in the mistakes and the over-aggressive. So I, I would rather commit less mistakes, Clavon, improve week to week, and deliver hopefully on the road a clean sheet. Ali, what about you? I'd put Moreno in. Would you? For <laughs> really for really for this one? I, I'd either put him in or I'd put Tal on the right, really? Klein on the left. Just get Milner out of there. Interesting. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting call for this type of game. I would normally agree with you. Like when we just played Burnley, I would have said throw Moreno in there all day. I think that's what, what we were hoping for actually before the game. But interesting call. Yeah, it would be – I don't know if Moreno – I don't know if I'd be willing to trust him in a big game like this. But, I mean, uh, your shout for, for Todd. Todd's already – he's come in and shown he can play in, in the big games. What he the, – the the derby was his – or the derby was his uh, his first game, right? The, the Man U game was his – Yep. His first full. Yeah, I thought start. he was fine. He was really, he was actually, I mean, Rashford is, is a great player, but he did a good enough job in that game where I could definitely see that. I just, Klein hasn't played on the left hand side in a while, so I don't know, um, if that would work. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that shout right there. That'd be interesting. What about you, Painter? Uh, I don't think, I mean, knowing Klopp, I don't think he changes it. I think he keeps the same starting 11 other than it, depending on if Firmino is healthy. But if Firmino's healthy, he comes right back in for Origi. Origi goes to the bench, and it's the same starting 11. It'll be interesting to see if he gives, because if he, Lovren played in the under-23 match today, so and he played pretty well from, from all accounts on Twitter. So it'll be interesting to see if he comes right back in for Clavon. be interesting to see if Henderson's fit, because uh, we know how big... Uh, you know, Klopp is on having trained the entire week and the preparation for the game and right. so on and so forth. But <clears throat> I think, you know, it's an easy call for Mino comes back in for Rigi. I don't think he's going to do anything with Klein and Milner. I, I, he hasn't done it all season, uh, unless there was an injury. So I think it's more of the same. The three decisions he has to make is whether Henderson's fit and comes back in for Jean, whether or uh, Lovren's ready to take on the position of uh, Clavon, and whether Firmino comes in on top. But other than that, I think he 
I think he'll keep it mostly unchanged. Yeah, I think I think as well. I think it'll be probably exactly unchanged except for Firmino coming in for Rigi and and that type of lineup I think would work well against City. It's we've shown in the past. I think Lalana plays a lot better against the top sides because he can use <laughs> you know his his hard work and his pressing and his counterattacking ability uh, against them. So I, I would leave that exact same lineup in there uh, and then bring Firmino in as well. Uh, you know, it's a huge game, guys. Huge, huge game. Um, huge and. Uh, you know, we're gonna listen. City's been clicking as of late. They've been really coming on. Uh, they had a, a bad spell, what just you know two months ago, but have, have really come on a form as of late. And um, you know, we're going to go up against Aguero, De Bruyne, Silva, Sterling, who have all been really, really good. Sane's been good for them. Um, so, I mean, in your opinion, Jeff, who's going to be you know the biggest threat, or what are we going to have to do? You know, do we? try and contain a certain player on their team to in, in order to win certain battles or you know you know what battles are you looking forward to kind of is it the midfield battle is it our you know high pressing what is it well it sure as hell isn't containing their back line they're going to be porous and leaky as as f i can say f on this pod so i'm looking for our front three the link up play the magic mane down down the right side i'm seeing that all day long, lighten up Otamendi, Stones, you name it. And really the story is our back line as well. It's can we hold fast? You've got Pace and Sterling. You've got uh, De Bruyne, who's you know a worldie in himself, uh, probably worth one in this one. I think we leak at least one goal as a result. Silva and Sané are you know, forces to be reckoned with and Cunaguera is always good for a goal. So it's going to be a challenge for the back line. It's going to be a challenge for Jean, but I, I think they step up. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. What about you, um, Painter? What do you got? It's a tough matchup. There's no two ways around it. Although we seem to do really well against these top sides, we're undefeated against them. Uh, we haven't lost yet this season. So, I think we're going to do exactly what we do every time we come up against us. And Guardiola is definitely not going to change what he does. He's going to attack and come at us, which I think plays right into our hand. Uh, I agree with Jeff. I think Mane is going to do what Mane does. Uh, I think Pochettino got served when he came to Anfield and tried to do what he does against everybody else, against Liverpool. And Liverpool took him apart. I think Klopp is designed for these games like he loves these games he loves when teams try and come at them and he's got a team with especially Firmino's healthy with Mane Firmino and Coutinho to come at teams with Lallana Wijnaldum and whoever plays John or Hendo in behind them to play that counter-attacking style where they just rip teams open so I don't see any issue. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. We're certainly going to ship a goal or probably two, um, but we're probably going to score a couple, uh, if not, if not three. Yeah. Ali, two immensely gifted uh, attacking teams. What do you see in this mm-hmm. game? Well, from a managerial point of view, um, I think before the season started, it was 50, 50 for Pep versus Klopp. So that kind of frightens me. I mean, we're going to be at the Etihad. So, I think Pep had beaten um, Klopp four times, Jurgen has won four times, and there's been zero draws against their two teams. So that's something to take into consideration. Yeah, and I think uh, Caballero has been starting, or at least started the Stoke yeah, game. Yeah, he's been. Yeah, so he's going to be in goal. Um, Willie, Willie. 
Yeah, Willie's going to be in goal. I think the last time he played against us, he kind of fucked us up in the in the League Cup final. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> long. Yeah. So I really, really want to beat them because of that. I'm I'm still pretty pissed off about that. Um, and I think the the player to watch is obviously one of my favorite players in the league, KDB Kevin De Bruyne. Favorite. He's not on Liverpool. Yep. He's just sex on the, I just the pitch. Love that guy. Just, yeah. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it'll so, be it, Joe. It'll be interesting to see if. Uh, Phil's been on a bad run of form lately, and it'll be interesting to see if he steps up in this game. Yeah, I mean, great, great shout. He's that's a good, yeah, good call. He's been needing to come back into form because before his injury, he was playing like the best player in the league, and and now you know he's he's found a, a little bit of a a struggle to get back to to hit his form. I think what I saw a lot in the last game was because we were pressing them so so fast and so quickly that they were making poor decisions and not switching the ball quick enough. So I think while Chon's going to need to definitely boss the midfield, I think the, one of the biggest things or, or matchups, I guess you could say, that I'm looking towards is it's going to be our front, our, our top three and pressing their back line because if you put stones under pressure, I think he overthinks a lot of the time. We'll take an extra touch on the ball when he doesn't need to. I think anyone in their back line, like Otamendi, they aren't very good passing. I mean, stones you would think is, but if you put him under a lot of pressure, he, he makes poor decisions. Uh, Willie can make poor decisions. We've already seen a couple of uh, goals that have been scored against City came from teams that were pressing them and, and they just, they couldn't get the ball out quickly enough. So I'm really excited to see, you know, while, while they definitely do have quality, they will hit that pass that will get beyond a couple of players and maybe that'll lead them to a, to a goal, maybe two. I still think that, you know, our, our pressing should do enough to be able to make them make poor decisions and for us to counter on that because we just, that's what we thrive off of. That's how our system is set up. And, and like you were saying, uh, Painter, it's like they're going to be coming out aggressively and they're going to be attacking. So it just kind of plays into our hands. So, uh, I mean, it, it, they definitely have a lot of quality, uh, especially attacking wise. So, you know, I, I think there's going to be goals in this game. I need your score predictions, guys. Hallett, what do you got? I've got two ship goals, unfortunately, on the road. I think our back line is going to be leaky enough for one of them from De Bruyne, and I think another one's for sure coming from Cunegrero. You can't step on the pitch and walk away without a goal. So I think we're going to ship two, but I think we're going to score four. So it's going to finish oh, wow. 4-2 Liverpool four? on the road. Yeah. I, like yeah. yep. I love where your head's at right now, Hal. Love where your head's at. Painter, what about you, man? Damn it, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> kind of threw me off there. I, th- I was going with that uh, that same scoreline. I think, uh, well, we're definitely shipping a goal, as I mentioned before. So I got to go 3-1. I think we get three uh, like we've done uh, in the past against City uh, away from home. I like Mane to do what Mane does when teams come out and play expansive against us. He cuts them open. We break them down. We catch them on a break. I think he gets a double, and I think Phil gets back on the score sheet because Phil likes to score against City. We win 3-1. I like to see. I like both those score lines right now. We're scoring goals on them. Allie, what about you, man? Do I have to? I'm going to jinx it. Uh, yeah, you have to. Okay, okay. Um, talk on, I'm talk on. going to talk on. I'm going to talk on and say it's going to be 2-2. Not what I want, uh-huh. but I think it's going to be 2-2, yeah. Oh man, I this a, game. You sound like a broken man, Allie. <laughs> it's maybe because you're holding some lame ass cat right now. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I always love watching us versus City, us versus top sides. It's always exciting. So 
I do think there's going to be goals. Can't go down Alley's route and give a draw. I'm going to say 3-2 Liverpool. And Matip's got to get ahead of goal. I feel like he he's due. He's due ahead of goal in this game. He really is. It's been way too he's had long. A couple, he's had a couple of good chances. He's biffed on a couple of them, man. He's yeah. I mean, he, he's due. He's, he's so due a goal. Weird looking. I know, right? <laughs> I love him though, but he's he's due a goal. I think so. Uh, there it is. That is this week's episode of the Talk On podcast. You guys can find us on Twitter at Talk On FP. The website is footballpurists.com. Give a quick shout-out to uh, Joe Dilling and the Indie Reds podcast. Uh, they just got it going up, guys. So you can find them on Twitter at Indie Reds Pod. So uh, go ahead and give them a listen. And uh, any other people that are into Chicago sports, I know there's not too many of them, but uh, if you are into Chicago sports or just want to catch up on some general uh, American sports as well, uh, I host a, a podcast called The Windy City Way. You can find us on Twitter at The Windy City Way. Uh, Hallett, where can we find you on Twitter, my man? Uh, Windy City Way is a great pod. You oh, should check you. that out. Thank period. You. Uh, you can we'll mention Notre Dame. We'll, we'll mention Notre Dame eventually. I got a buddy on it there. It is who in the mind. Chicago, Michiana <laughs> sort of area. Yeah, yeah good. There you <laughs> go. <Yes>. So <laughs> you can find me at Jeff underscore Hallett with two L's and two T's on the Twitter. All right, Painter. What about you? Brian underscore Painter, and that's Brian with a Y. Painter like spelled like a house painter All on right. Twitter, baby. I like it, Ali. Ali G underscore FP. I had to look it up. I know you always say that, but you know it. I know you do. I know it by heart. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at J Vishni. Gentlemen, appreciate you coming on. We, we all, I feel like we've all felt broken for a while just because this team is Jekyll and Hyde. So it's like one, one week we're like, all right, all right, this feels good towards top four. And then the very next week, we're just back down to reality. So hopefully they can keep it up. Liverpool is. Uh, they're five points ahead of Arsenal, with, but Arsenal has two games in hand. Uh, and I think six ahead of United with two games in hand. So at least we're getting the points that we should be, and we're putting the pressure on the teams below us. Hopefully that will continue for the weeks to come. Gentlemen, we'll be talking after this game. It's going to be interesting to see. This This, this is a very, very, very big game. And uh, hopefully we'll continue on a good run of form by the end of the season. But thanks for coming on, guys. And, and as always, talk on. Talk, talk on, shout out. Talk on. Talk on. Talk on. Talk on.